Looking for a premier gravel ride this fall? Join me at Unpaved, the Susquehanna River Valley, on Sunday, October 13th. Whether you're up for the full 120-mile race for whoopie pies, more into riding the beautiful 90- or 50-mile courses, or want to try the 30-mile fun-paved ride, there's something for everyone and the whole family, with activities all weekend and childcare available, too. Spots are filling up fast, so head over to unpavedpennsylvania.com to sign up today. Unpaved, the Susquehanna River Valley. It's easy on the eyes and hard on the legs. Come check it out. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives, and boy, has it ever fit into our lives lately. <laughs> I think my life fits into cycling right now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, so the, I, I'm sure you have a, a few things to say before we start saying things like it. You know, yeah. there's there's really only one thing I, w- I want to get a chance to nod to before we jump in on all this. And that is, we have the best expletive, expletive, expletive audience on the planet. Mm. Uh, between the RKP readers and the Paceline listeners. And it, based on, on the feedback uh, I was getting from meeting people, I it was a pretty thorough crossover you know the they were they they read the site and they listen mm-hmm, to the podcast mm-hmm. um so i met um a very devoted reader listener and commenter neil winkleman yeah uh, there were a couple of dans i met a fellow named eon uh and another guy noah those two guys i met when we were all kind of deep in the in the thick of it way out 100 miles into it uh <laughs> At one point, I was pulled over on the side of a hill, pulling my chain out from between my spokes and my cassette because of a missed shift with electronic shifting, no less. Uh, That's that's what we're talking about with this course. Uh, And this guy riding by calls out, are you okay, Patrick? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I mean, I'm. I'm really fortunate people are in cycling are nice to me wherever I go, especially if they know who I am in advance, you know, and I have some connection to my work. People are really genuinely just always nice to me, but this was next level stuff. Yeah. Their, their regard for what we do. Um, can't buy that. Can't buy it. And you were seriously missed. Um, it's like everything I did everywhere I went, every time somebody said hi to me, I could just feel you in the background there of <laughs> how much they would have loved seeing you too. I appreciate that's very nice. It's very sweet. I appreciate that. It's, uh, but it's, it's true. A very, it's not just sweet. It's true. Yeah, I, I do. I appreciate that. And, and it's, it is a very special, special community out there, uh, in Emporia. There's, there's no question. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel definitely a connection to the place and a lot of a lot of our listeners and the people that you've probably met out there. So I've got to make a, a point to go back, even if I'm not sure about that 200 mile thing in the prairie. <laughs> yeah. What are the chances we could get you on the back of a tandem? Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, my tandem stories. like if somebody is dumb enough to do it, there's no abandoning ship if you're in back. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. Except you'll look back and be like, why is it so much harder? All this sudden you should just be running, just running off into the distance. <laughs> I'd be willing to take that risk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, let's jump in. What do you got this week? Cool, cool. 
Yeah, uh, before we go back to more Kansas talk, because I'm sure we have more Kansas talk, we do have a listener reader question that I thought yeah, that was kind of interesting. Uh, it's Quentin, and he asks, he wants to have a better understanding of max heart rate because yep. he's been using the calculation of 220 minus your age, which, you know, he asks, how good of a predictor of max heart rate is that formula? How much variation across individuals is there? And, you know, the first thing I have to say is I cannot believe that formula still exists. I It's stunning to me. You know, he says he's he's got a heart rate monitor. He sounds like he's a little older. He doesn't say what age he is. But he says, you know, he never wore one. He was younger. So he doesn't have any comparison. Like he just mm-hmm. sees the numbers that he has now. He has used this formula. Uh, he's But he's noticed that during hard workouts and rides, he exceeds that formula-derived number as much as 10 beats per minute. Cool. Uh, yeah, usually only for short periods. And then he's like, is the max absolute max? Can you go above the max? Is it sustained max? You know, how does age affect it, et cetera, so long? And, and yep. is there anything that he should know about it when he looks at his files and sees whatever number he sees as his max? So I let's. I just want to talk about that formula really quickly again. That formula, it's amazing to me because it's sort of like the eight glasses of water or take 10,000 steps a day. Neither of those things actually came from anywhere. Like they came from sort of a hint of research and became gospel. And now thanks to the Internet, like anything can become gospel super quickly. It just spreads like wildflower. Everyone just picks it up. And the 220 thing that actually came from a study back in the 60s and 70s. They pulled data from. Men with cardiac condition, like the, it was a, it was a cardiac health. <laughs> yeah, it was people a car- as it was. Oh my lord, it was a cardiac health study. They probably were all smoking. I mean, God knows, like it was what the population even was or looked like. But now, I it still really surprises me that it's in fitness equipment. It's built in. It's yeah. built into a lot of trackers. It's built into fitness equipment. I think still like a lot of our cycling computers. A lot of stuff. Like if you don't know, that is the default. Absolutely. It will just, use, yeah, it'll just use it. Um, you know, sometimes it's close, but often it's wildly inaccurate. And it mm-hmm. tends to be from studies I've seen, the older you are, which makes sense, right? The older you are, the more off it can be, which considering that it is minus your age, that makes a lot of sense because smaller numbers are going to throw it off more than say a large number, right? Yeah. 25 yeah, yeah. might throw it off more than 50. Um, but, you know, so researchers over the years have, have noticed that people use it so much and they have recognized its inaccuracy and they have tried to come up with other formulas. There's one and they're all a little convoluted and I don't even know how they derive them, but like one is 211 minus 64% of your age. So for someone who is 50, that makes their heart rate max 179 beats per minute, which is almost 10 beats higher than they get with 220 minus their age, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, but probably a little more accurate. Another study came up with 206.9 minus 67% of your age. Again, I don't have any idea where these are coming from. Um, but that one actually got really pretty close from me personally. Uh, came out to like 173.4 and mine is about 174, 175. But again, these are just formulas, They're just Mm -hmm. formulas and they in no way can predict everyone's heart rate accurately. If you are not training specifically and intently by those numbers, eh, you know, ballpark is probably good enough. Like just to say like, oh, my heart rate seems a little high or it doesn't seem like it's coming up. Maybe I'm tired, you know, using it sort of that way. But if you're going to use it to train, you should really, in my opinion, have a number that's as close to accurate as possible. And that Mm -hmm. means... That means following one of the, it means going real hard. You know, it means like <laughs> doing one of the tests that you find out. It's, it's miserable. You're going to be miserable. You know, doing one of the tests you find online, which is like a 20 minute graded sort of thing. Um, I have found that a good cyclocross race will give me a real accurate, you know, hmm. look, I, I'm not staring at it during the race, obviously, but at sure. the end of it, I am definitely hitting my max at somewhere during, like, if you're really racing, it's, uh-huh. You know, mountain bike races can do the same kind of thing, but races kind of not so much because you're, you're actually working to conserve more, you know, yeah. in, a, in a road race situation. Um, and your max heart rate is just that it's your max. It's, you know, your heart cannot beat any faster than that. 
but it's honestly also at any given time, you know, and in any given sports, uh, studies have found that swimming doesn't yield as high of a max. Cycling doesn't yield as high of a max as running, which, you know, because it's impact that your, your muscles are acting differently, temperature, how trained you are, how much stress you're under genetics, all this stuff influences your max. Everyone declines with age. And I think the important thing to know is that that absolute number is not an indication of how fit you are or your performance to come, right? Like it, it, just because you're, you're, if your max is 10 beats higher than mine, that does not mean you're going to beat me in a race. It does not mean you're fitter than I am. It doesn't mean any of that. Right. It's just like, that's, and in fact, some people, and in my case, I've never had a very high one because I have a very low resting heart rate and a very uh, big stroke volume. I've actually had this stuff tested. So my heart's uh-huh. real efficient. It doesn't need to beat like a hummingbird because it's just pumping out so much blood per per beat, right? Yep. And it has a big range to work in because my low end is so low. Yeah, so all these all these things matter. So I think the thing that is most important when people are looking at this is, you know, it's what are your other what are your other metrics within that? You know, what is your VO2 max? How much oxygen can you use? What's your lactate threshold? When do your legs start burning? You know, what heart rate do your legs start screaming at you? That's way more important than whatever that top number is. And those are right. all with Yeah, those are all trainable and within your control. The only time I think it's useful, and I've written about this, uh, is if you're using a heart rate monitor and you're just cruising along and all of a sudden you see that heart rate go really high. We've talked about this, like Mark Weir was not like all yep. of a sudden you're looking at 200 and you're not working at 200. That's a sign something's wrong. And yeah. you should you should go to a doctor, honestly, if you see that happen. Before um, the night other, is out. Yeah, yeah, totally. You <laughs> should actually call a doctor and go. Um, or just go to the emergency room even. Because that can be a sign of something really wrong with your heart. Um, and I personally, like, I don't train, you know, I don't nail Because heart rate drifts so much. I don't train with it to the to the letter. But I watch it. You know, I watch it during intervals. And I watch it mostly... During stuff like when I raced at Leadville, I watched my heart rate because you're at altitude. You don't have many matches to burn. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't accidentally kissing those higher threshold numbers more than intended and then finding myself fried seven hours down the line. And in Dirty Kansas, same thing. When you are staring down a very long day, it's not a bad idea to make sure that, you, you know, especially early on, you know how it is. Everyone's excited. You go out of no, that gate. No, no, and it, no, that's not a thing. It is super easy, <laughs> even if you don't mean it to like all of a sudden, you know, be 45 minutes higher than you want to be at, <laughs> in your heart. It's so it's so easy. So, you know, that's that's what to know about max heart rate and, and heart rate. And I, it's funny. I, I For a while, I think after power meters came in, everybody tossed out their heart rate monitor. Like, eh, mm. powers, power, watts or watts, you know. But I think. There's still it's still a good number to have. I think it's still good because it's still telling you something biometrically. It's still telling you something about your body that watts are not telling you. Watts are just telling you the power you're producing. Yeah. That other piece is is real important. So I'm just I'm curious, like, did you watch your heart rate? Do you make a make a point of watching your heart rate? During- I'm, I'm nodding my head. Yes, vigorously. Yeah. Uh, you can see it, but the, the audience can't so much. Yeah. So the way I had my Wahoo element set up, the, the biggest single uh, number within that group of, of readouts there, mm-hmm. uh, was my heart rate. Oh, no way. It, yeah. My heart wow. rate was, okay. you know, this, in terms of size. There. Yeah. It was wow. twice or three times the size of the number of my current speed or my average speed. Or wow. elapsed time. Okay. Then you are nodding your head vigorously. You were yeah. definitely paying attention to it. Oh, yeah. very much. And I mean, that was the thing that begin began to clue me in that this is maybe not going to be the day I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the opening of the event, my taper went so well. I was completely without a chain for the first hour. Yeah. Um, and that. That in its own way was probably a bit of a problem uh, because I felt so good. I hadn't felt it is that a good problem. in years. I've, I've had, yeah, I've had this very similar experience. It's that, yep, I understand yeah. exactly what you're saying. 
You know, but before we get into my story, the thing that I want to say, and you and I have discussed this before, I can't remember mm-hmm. if it was on the show or off, but I love Heart Rate Monitor. We have, I'm sure, a pretty fair number of audience members who own more than one bike. And the thing about mm, a Heart Rate Monitor fair. is mm-hmm. for less than a hundred bucks, you can have a really useful, reliable, objective number on all of your bikes. Yep. But if you've yep. got two road bikes, a mountain bike and a gravel bike, and maybe an old cross bike as well, you're not buying power meters for every one of those bikes. It's not going to happen. Yep. And for, for newer riders who are maybe not sure where to make all their investments, dropping 700, 800, 1400 <laughs> bucks on a power meter. That's a big, big ask where you can get, I don't know, maybe it's 80% of the benefit of a power meter with just a heart rate monitor. I agree with that. Yeah, I, no, I totally so, agree. And they're so cheap. You can get heart yeah. monitors so cheap. Yeah. And all, yeah, at this and point. And they're comfortable you know, now. I mean, back in the day, they yes. were kind of clunky and not fun and they cut out and they weren't, they weren't awesome like any technology. Yeah. But yep. I mean, I, I don't, I have no Wahoo doesn't pay me or anything, but the Wahoo ticker is like, I, that thing, I don't even know what's on. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, it's the same for me. I love that. And the ticker, because it's Bluetooth, you know, it'll integrate with almost any different GPS unit out there. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to buy, you know, a chest strap with a computer. Oh, right. It's an easy add-on. So, yeah, there are a lot of reasons to to look at heart rate as uh, a, a much more useful number than, you know, some of the training manuals would have you think. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I feel like it's, it's coming back a little bit and maybe because of that, like people are sort of interested in, um, people are watching a lot of metrics and, and I feel like heart rate's coming back into, into vogue. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where it had left. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like having it. It's, it is a, a number I like a whole lot. Um, and Oh, you know, one other final little thought on that, uh, you know, m- max heart rate is not a number I get too terribly concerned about. Uh, last summer I recorded, uh, in one of the dirt crits, a uh, max heart rate of 173. Mm-hmm. That was last summer was the first time I broke the one seventies in like four years. Huh? Yeah. Huh? I, I just, I hadn't been well enough trained right, right. to be able to get my heart rate up there. I was seeing the upper one sixties. Mm-hmm. but I wasn't seeing the 170s until toward the end of last season. I haven't seen the 170s yet this season. Um, and I probably won't until July. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope you didn't see it out in Kansas. And uh, no, yeah, that was probably, a 161, <laughs> which was perfect. still way too high. It's high, but like when you're going, it's impossible. It's impossible to keep it. I mean, you have to try to keep it limited, but it's, I mean, it's impossible when you're going up hills on a gravel bike. Yeah, I picked up it, on impossible. that. Impossible. <laughs> to yeah. not, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so let's talk hands up. First, congratulations. I just oh, want to say thanks. I'm really, I was watching, we were watching, and at some point, Dave and I were like, he'll make it, but we got to go to bed. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I knew not to text you once I got in. <laughs> Yeah, like, don't wake yeah. her up. <laughs> no, I woke well, I woke up. I'm like, oh, there's nothing. So I just, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> well, what do you have to say? I think the first thing I want to acknowledge about my experience at Dirty Kansas is that despite setting a rather specific and somewhat lofty goal, I didn't. What was have your goal? To Before beat the sun. Okay, to that's beat what I the thought. sun. Yep. You know. Um, I, you know, I just didn't have the day I was planning to, or even hoping to have, I was out there a long expletive time. It took me more than 18 hours to finish, which is why you were in bed. Uh, <laughs> 182616 to be exact. And it was a super difficult course. Nothing like what I rode two years ago doing the half pint. Many of the hills were both, both longer and steeper. Uh, it also got hotter than when I was there two years ago. I'm told it, it reached 96 degrees. People were dropping like fall leaves. Uh, uh, the finisher rate 
was, or, or the dropout rate was like 28%. Yeah. Um, at one point I was looking at numbers and it looked to me like the, the, it was more like 45% didn't finish. But when I was checking today, it looks like 28% of the 200 starters, uh, didn't, didn't finish. Um, and you know, every time you got to a checkpoint, it was just littered with bodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was 9,200 feet of climbing. Um, for the first hour, I averaged 17.1 miles per hour and I made it into the first checkpoint at 65 miles, uh, in 413. <laughs> then this thing called heat arrived mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I understand that. Yeah. I had trouble eating. Um, yep. I was at 1029 before I reached checkpoint two. So about 50% longer, uh, maybe not quite. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, more than, more than twice as long. Um, and by this time, my average speed had dropped to 11 and a half miles per hour. I'd been doing the math ever since a neutral water stop sponsored by uh, team education first. Um, they had a, a big trailer out there and people dunking bandanas and ice water to tie That's around cool. you. It That's was really awesome. Cool. That's I'll really come cool. back to that in a second. That was at mile 100. That's awesome. Um, and, the 20 miles between their, you know, their unexpected stop and the actual checkpoint two at 120, I realized that unless the course really flattened out, I wasn't going to make my goal. And it was in that little bit of math, <laughs> that small scale epiphany, that the real experience began. I'd begun saying to myself, ride your fitness, meaning ride within your ability, ride, you know, with at a level that you know you can sustain. Yeah. Um, and I began to ask myself, you know, if you're, if you're doing these grasshoppers and aver- averaging 12 miles an hour, what makes you think you can go and average 14 or 14 and a half miles an hour on a 200 mile event? <laughs> you know, wh- where did you get that? You know? <laughs> um, but I swear to you, I swear to you, I thought I'd read something that you'd written with that phrase, ride your fitness. I usually say ride within yourself. So, I mean, maybe in our conversations that I had, I had said that, but yes, it, it's really important. Yeah. But that, it was that very phrase that just kept ringing yeah. in my Good. head. Ride your fitness, dude. Ride your fitness. Also, just add quickly, because it's not really worth dwelling on. My physical therapist is a miracle worker. I rode the whole of the day without pain in my shoulder. That's amazing. It's <laughs> actually there were, amazing. There were three different times where I got a little twinges. Mm-hmm. I'd simply change my position and they were gone. At checkpoint three, I put a little of the Floyd's cream on my shoulder, kind of preemptively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just I was stopped. I was like, oh, I might as well do this. I'm lubing my chain. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I rolled into the finish completely comfortable in that way. That's I, amazing. That's great. I, I can't even begin to, to describe my, my, it's not shock, but just, and it's not incomprehension, but my amazement really stunning. Uh, I'm going to buy that guy some really great beers here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Checkpoint two, uh, rather than try to rush through it, like I had checkpoint one where I had stopped for maybe four minutes, I got off my bike, pulled out some food, got in the shade sat down and ate. I ate two of the feed zone portables that we'd made, drank from my hydration pack, which was still reasonably cool after filling it up 20 miles earlier at the EF water stop. When I got back on the bike after 30 to 40 minutes of sitting in the shade, I felt great. (laughs) Uh, Part of that truly was the feed zone portables that we made. They did more to energize me than the various bars and gels I brought with me. I'm truly amazed at how much more they did to make me feel good than any of the wrapper foods. Uh, and, and talking with my friend, Andrea, we'd made them together. Uh, she'd had the same experience of, mm. you know, yeah, I'm, this stuff is making me feel better than any of the other stuff that I, I might eat. And to have that lesson driven home so, uh, so explicitly in such a difficult circumstance 
I'm now thinking about, well, maybe what I need to do each week is like carve out a little time to make a batch. I, I just, I can't say enough about how much better it worked. There's no better test, honestly. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm reminded of Alan Lim talking about how they'd backed themselves into these decisions, these recipes by all the things that didn't work for their riders Mm -hmm. at at Grand Tours, you know? Uh, So it was, it was really something Uh, that said, I did have trouble eating. It got so hot. Um, Yeah. Sounds like everybody did. Even the the winners talked. I mean, it sounds like the the woman who won was throwing up too. Like, I I don't think anyone was spared that. Yeah. Yeah. And Amity Rockwell, who won, is a friend of mine. Uh, I think I took the first photograph of her ever at an event. I need to run that. She's yeah, she's a friend. I hadn't remembered this when I saw her at the theater on Sunday. She's like, you called it. I was like, what? She said, King Ridge 2015. You told me I was going to win Dirty Kanza. What? (laughs) I did. I did. I did. Get out of here. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I knew she was a talent and she's just one of those people. She keeps getting better and better. And everybody wants her dead because she's smiling and happy and chipper as she says hello to you as she passes you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. She's she's really she's really something. Uh, But to your point uh, that Dirty Kansas is an eating contest. (laughs) Well, I lost that contest, Yeah, but I think I did manage a draw in the drinking contest. (laughs) So Strava tells me I burned about 12,000 calories that day. Sounds about right. Yeah. I think I ate about 4,000 calories, 10 feed zone portables. I was shooting for 18 feed zone Mm -hmm. portables plus other assorted bars and gels. I managed to eat two more bars. I got at least two gels in me. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And then I mean, it's hard. That's pretty good. And then checkpoint three, I ate uh, a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a Subway classic Italian. And uh, I didn't even bother to put condiments on it. I didn't realize they were sitting out. I, like I was that removed from reality. <laughs> and But I, I ate the sandwich. I loved it. Um, you know, again, real food. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I think I got about 4,000 calories. Now, on the fluid front... I managed to drink 282 ounces of scratch How do you know that? How do you know that number? Okay, so each bladder... That's like so precise, I can't even stand it. (laughs) Well, I could be off maybe four ounces either way. Okay. Uh, So each... uh, I took uh, two different hydration packs with me. Mm -hmm. One was a little waste pack with, uh, I think, a one and a half or one and three quarter liter bladder. And then I took uh, the the six liter Thule hydration pack, which is a classic kind of big, long, mm-hmm. skinny hydration pack. That's got a two and a half liter bladder in it. That's 85 ounces per bladder. Wow. I filled it twice um, and drank it all the way. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, yeah, I filled it twice. Um, and all but finished it the second time. There was like a half liter left. I drank four bottles that were completely full, 24 ounce bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, one bottle was only filled to 16 ounces because I only had one envelope of, of scratch for it. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to overfill that and dilute it. There were three Coca-Colas. That's 24 ounces of Coke over and above the 282 ounces of scratch. Now the one not so dynamite thing is that I had this fanny pack of uh scratch a liter and a half or so. And I only drank about a half liter of that in the final 50 miles. I put it on at the end, toward the end of the day, check by right. three. I want, I knew I'd want my back freer. I'd be tired. I wanted the big thing off of me. 100%. And, yeah. Uh, but as much as I was trying to remind myself to keep drinking from it, I only got about a half liter into me and huh. uh, the uh, the other thing is from checkpoint three through to the finish, I didn't eat a single bite. 
not awesome, but you, there's sometimes there's nothing else you can do. I it, I totally get that. I, there's there's sometimes there's just nothing else you can do. And you were not. I've talked to so many people who have said the exact same thing. They just they could barely touch anything yeah. food related for the last forty whatever for the last stretch of it. They were just yeah. their stomach was done. And you know, one of the other things though is there's a there's a certain degree of credit and determination uh, to recognize in other writers. Jay Peterberry, who won the DKXL, oh, yeah, he like he tossed his cookies, then started eating again. <laughs> you know, Jay just, is a special like, man. <laughs> well, yes. this is this is very true. That that dude, that dude's total rock star material in, in a very different way. Uh, but yeah, any number of people, you know, they, they tossed their cookies, they started eating up again a short time later. And that, I mean, truly that's a dividing point between where I am and where they are. I, you know, I would feel myself encroaching that little border of, (laughs) of, uh, the stomach's going to get real unhappy if I do any more of this. And I would just back away. I was not willing to risk projectile vomiting across the front of my bike. Yep. I am that, that, that you'll meet all kinds out there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, it is, it's, it's impressive. The people who, what, what the people who win are willing to go through is, is special different. Yeah. 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 It's there's, there's a special reserve somewhere deep in there uh, yep. that I think, I want to pay homage to in a big way. I, this was an amazing experience. The part that is most surprising about my experience at Dirty Kansas is that it was the fourth and final leg that proved to be just utterly profound. I made my peace with riding in the dark and found it to be truly a deeply spiritual experience. Let me be clear about this. I'm so glad I didn't achieve my goal. It would have robbed me of something far more interesting, far more revelatory than just beating the sun. Riding in the dark was the most interesting part of doing Dirty Kanza. People would ride into and out of view. And once they were more than about 60 feet ahead of me, all they were was a taillight, you know, a little blinking red dot. It's an isolating experience. And in a way, I think it can be an analog for how we go through life not always fully seeing the people around us. People come into view, they, they leave our view again. I had two lights on my bike plus a headlamp so that as I rolled down the hills, I wouldn't outrun my lights. Earlier in the evening when I had one light on my bike and one on my head and was saving the other for later in the night when I was <laughs> concerned that I might need it, uh, I'd begin outrunning the lights at about 17 miles an hour. And by outrunning, I mean, there comes a speed where you're going so fast that whatever you see ahead of you is already so close that by the time right. you see it, you can't react to it. You don't want that out there. Mm, no, uh, no. Oh, a big pile of gravel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or or a six inch deep rut and you're <laughs> coming at it at 30 degrees. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were times when with the temperature back down into the 70s, I just felt fantastic. <laughs> Now, don't get me wrong. I had the worst case of monkey butt and there was some (laughs) serious numbness and something I don't ever want to be numb. (laughs) But other than that, on the flat, I could roll at 16, 17 miles per hour. And I loved seeing the blinking red lights fade into the distance or alerting me to a coming turn or another flipping rolling hill. (laughs) You'd see them as like stair steps, you know, there'd be some, some lights at your level, some a little higher and then some... Oh, that's way too high. I don't and it like goes on forever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or, you know, you'd see him fan out to the side when you were coming up on a turn. Right. And that was, right. that was pretty cool. I, there was cool. something about the view that I liked. I at least wanted to be a member of the breakfast club by arriving before midnight. And even that didn't happen. <laughs> I had to make my peace with that as well. There was a point at about 11 p.m. when I realized I could either kill myself. I was doing math constantly. Constantly. I don't even know how you could. I, I, I lose all ability to do any math when I'm out there. I like any ability. I try. I'm like, come on. <laughs> and I come up with wildly crazy numbers. Like, oh, my well, God, it's going to be 4 a.m. No, it can't be 4 a.m. 
When is it going to be? Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's not. So I just I stopped trying. I would, you know, I was keeping it to fairly simple multiplication and addition. There was no algebra going on, no quadratic equations, <laughs> no differentials, nothing like that. But, you know, I realized that about 11 o'clock that I could either kill myself to make mm-hmm. it by midnight or I could dial back and enjoy the ride into town. And I decided I wanted to enjoy myself. I wanted, I wanted to just kind of luxuriate in the dark and take that experience in for what it was, because it was just so different from everything else I've ever done as a cyclist. And, you know, I, I, I knew that there'd still be people to greet me, you know, how much more did I really need? Rolling into town was the best. People cheered me every inch of the way. People were leaning out of their cars to (laughs) cheer for us. Okay. Honking horns, all sorts of stuff. And getting to the finishing shoot was the most emotional I've ever been upon finishing any event in my life. (laughs) When I got to Jim Cummins, the director, who I'd been looking forward to seeing for, you know, I don't know, all day. (laughs) I leaned my bike up against the railing and then gave him a gave him a big bear hug. (laughs) There's just one little difficulty. (laughs) He had no idea who was hugging him other than a guy who was so tired he was staggering. My helmet light was still on. <laughs> After I walked away, you know, he sees the jersey on my back and he came over and grabbed me once he realized who I was. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, standing there, my, my face hurt from grinning so much. I, it was I, I, I just a, a really profound experience, something very, very special. Um. And, you know, one of those things that's so special, it's okay if it stands alone in my life. I don't have to replicate that. Now, we've talked about the darkness that can come in events, and I did have some. From mile 95 to 100, uh, I ran out of water before reaching mm-hmm. that, that unexpected EF stop. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so profoundly grateful for them being there. And, you know, I didn't know it was coming. But I started to wonder if circumstances might conspire to prevent me from finishing. I couldn't tell you the last time I ran out of water. There'd been a home where the, uh, the husband and wife were uh, standing in their driveway with pitchers of water, you know, pouring them for people. And then they had a, a well spigot uh, on their land just a little ways from there where, where a chicken was wandering around, I'll add. <laughs> And a few of us took our helmets off, wandered over there, stuck our head under the faucet. You know, since I could do that without getting the hole in my jersey and my bibs wet, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm in for that. And then I realized that I just promptly washed all the sweat into my eyes. So I had to turn my head and do a second rinse. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the, the darkness didn't it didn't last long. I was still in a rough place from 100 to 120 you know, trying to make my peace with, I'm, I'm not going to beat the sun or, or something really has to change pretty severely for me to beat the sun. But I, you know, I did, I made my, my peace with it. I settled down and, you know, just said, well, this is the rider who I am. This is who I am here. And let's just ride with him. Wow. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, now, as we were talking before we started recording, yes, I am tired. Yes, I am still <laughs> tired. And this is a flavor of tired that is new to me. It's not in my legs. I am ready to fall asleep at any time. I, I never had this one before. <laughs> well, you've never done anything quite like this before. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. yeah. Uh so I, I'm sure there must be something I haven't mentioned yet that you're curious about, uh, or, or what things did I screw up that you have suggestions for? No, no. I mean, I think you had, I, I, I had been sort of, I don't know, as we were leading into it and I saw your, your, your optimism, I didn't want to, I did everything I could to not be like, to not try to lasso your goals or rein you in you know i i I suspected that 
you weren't going to have the day that you thought you were going to have just because it's so new and so many things can go wrong. And so, you know, like if it had been a perfect day, I think you could have beat the sun. But, you know, with the heat and the stuff and the I was just like, I don't know. But I didn't I it, it was a it was a weird line to walk of just being encouraging, but not trying to be like. Dash my hopes. At, yeah. 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 But what was interesting is I was watching a little bit on the social media posts and you had put something up about beating the sun and Yuri chimed in. He's like, don't put that intention out there, bro. Yeah. And it and it was just like, oh, okay, good. Somebody somebody said it. And and I think that I think that helped you have the experience that you had. Like making peace with that is a big deal. And um, I really love what you said about riding with that guy, with riding with who you are, the rider you are. (laughs) And I think that, to be brutally honest, that's a lot of what I struggle with, is not liking the person that I am when I'm not having a great day. You know, and I don't want to ride with her. And I don't (laughs) want to, you know, and it's it it makes the darkness darker. Yeah. And it makes that harder to come out of. It makes it harder when you go to that place in your head. And I will just be honest. I go there quite a bit when I'm not having a good day. It it's really hard to get out of there. And it just it doesn't make it better. It does not make it better. It does not make anything Mm -hmm. better. It makes it all profoundly worse. Um, You know, and there's light at the end of that tunnel, but it's harder to find. You know, it's harder. It's harder to find. And I think that, I think that's awesome. I think that you actually had the perfect Dirty Kanza in many ways. It was, I mean, one of the things I was doing as I was realizing, you know, watching my average speed continue to drop, continue to drop, continue to drop. I'm doing the math and realizing that if I don't start to get square with not beating the sun now, I've got, you know, eight hours ahead (laughs) of me or, you know, anyway, four hours at minimum ahead of me that are going to be really unpleasant. I'm going to have a long time of beating myself up. If but I that alone is like a really good, rev- that, that alone is, a, that's great. Like just to even be able to have that notion at that time is, that's something right there that is, is valuable for sure, <laughs> for sure. And that's, that is something that is, is valuable in all aspects of life where we talk about how cycling transcends itself into life. And I think that there's something very valuable to that, to, to saying, okay, it does not define me as something lesser if I don't make this goal. It does not define, you know, I am, it does not make, it's, my day is not ruined. Your day was not ruined. Nope. By any stretch, your nope. day became, it was transformed. It became something else. It became not maybe what you had hoped for, but it became something unexpected and something that actually surprised you in ways that were good. And yeah. if you can open yourself up to that, you know, that there's a lot to that. There's a lot, there's a lot to be said for that. And I know people, I know people who pull the plug because they're not having the day they want, even mm-hmm. though they could finish. You know, and I'm not talking about, you know, pros who need to do that because they have something big and they can't, they just cut their losses. That's different, right? That's different from people who recreational people, people who set a goal and they go out and it's like, I'm not having the day I want. I'm disappointed in myself. Go down that rabbit hole, pull the plug like that, that short changes you as a person. It, It doesn't allow you to grow in the way that these events, these events are not really just about, as you have seen that people don't go to dirty cans that across that finish line, just to, just to cross that line. They go yeah. to, for the transformational thing that happens between zero and 200. Yeah. And if you don't allow yourself to go through all of that, then you don't benefit from all of that. Yeah. Uh, I recently read Michael Pollan's book, how to change your mind, mm-hmm. uh, which is, deep and and different and surprising. Yeah. One of the most interesting things that he says along the way, and actually he may have said it in an interview about the book, but he said, you know, you basically, you spend the first half of your, of your life trying to develop an ego and you spend the second half of your life trying to get it out of the way. I love it. Yes. That's so true. Oh my and God. That was, my God. I mean, 
don't the I'm gonna get that tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean that was that was absolutely the key to the day that I had. Once I was able to get my own ego out of the way, yeah. I had an experience that was so much more interesting than I could possibly have planned for. Yep. And I'm just I'm so grateful for that. Uh for for you know, um it wasn't just a moment of wisdom. It was a lot of coaching of wisdom that, you know, I, I had to get myself off of the ledge. And, yeah. you know, there's that moment of thinking that, holy cow, I've come all this way. Not finishing? No, no, That's- I can't allow that to happen. But the, you know, the, the, there came a point when I understood that my will to finish was not sufficient to determine that I would finish, that I needed to watch everything. I needed to be humble in the face of the conditions that I was dealing with, that I couldn't get cocky about, well, duh, I'm going to finish. Right. It it became an open question for a while Hmm. from about one from 95 ish. Whenever it was, I ran out of water to about one twenty when I got to checkpoint two. I, I was having a, you know, say it was, it's an open question and I need to be careful. I need to take care of myself. Uh, and doing that. Yeah. Got me to a a really, really special place. Watching the sunset, by the way. Holy cow. I bet that was amazing. I, yeah, I, I just, I genuinely feel fortunate that I had a longer, slower day than, than a lot of folks do. That's awesome. That's <laughs> congratulations again. It's a, That's it's very, a, I'm sure there's much more to be said as you wind this and unwind this in your mind, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on, I'm, I'm actually working on two different posts right now <laughs> and hope to have those yeah. up soon enough. Um, yeah. What a thing. Oh, and, and by the way, the salsa chase, the chase, the chase lounge that they put up out there. I didn't understand where on the course it comes. And for us, it was like 16 ish miles from the finish. It was really pretty close. Well, you know, you stop and think about it. You know what you get out of the riders who stopped there would be very different if you did it the first 20 or a hundred miles in 150 miles in. They always put it very close to the, like if you can get to the chase, you can get home. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they get they get you where you're because that thing got me through Michigan, like through my darkness where I was just yeah. like I'm like, I am coming undone. I must get to that sofa. Like it's all I kept thinking because I was just I was just I was at the point where everything hurt. I was just I was just tired. I was getting cold because it the whole day was start. I was just like I, yeah. I finishing wasn't in a question at that point and I was doing very well. I knew I was holding second, but everything was just killing me. And I was just, I wanted to just get to that chair. <laughs> I wanted to get to that chase <laughs> so bad. And it just, it really, it brightened me. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ham it up. I'm going to see people. And it, yeah, it made a big difference. But right. yeah, they get, they get a much better emotional spectrum <laughs> because of where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now I understand some of the exuberance and some of the more outlandish poses and whatnot. Uh, you know, it's a really it, it's a, a neat opportunity to to say something about who you are on the inside as a rider. And yeah. I I've always liked those photos. I always dig it. But, you know, there was a dimension of the of that experience that I hadn't understood. And I, I had that. completely that forgotten it. I'd forgotten about it until I got a text message saying, Hey, you're almost at the chase. Yeah. Oh my God. You're kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a friend was watching the live tracker and texted me. It's like, yo, you're almost there. I was you like, know? Oh, okay. I was like, they're not th- that. I was wondering if they texted you. I'm like, that's no. next level. Okay. No, no, okay. No, that's no. funny. That's funny. Someone at home is telling you that. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so funny because as I was pulling up on it, you know, there's just kind of some odd lights and a bunch of yeah. red little taillights hanging out. I was like, what is going I'm like, I have no idea what they're up to. I'm blowing by this, man. And then <laughs> I get close and I see the chase and it's like, oh, 
And at that point, I was maybe still a little bit on the bubble for making it in before midnight. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yep. I'm, I know that was the way better decision. You made the right yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah, totally happy with it. Oh, what do you say? Paceline picks? Sure, sure, sure. I have, I love when I have a pick of something that I thought when I first. When I first saw this thing that came across my desk, I rolled my eyes so hard I could see the top of my skull. Like, I was just like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. It, it is a heated foam roller. So it's by, are you familiar with this? No. Nope. Nope. Okay, it, okay. it instantly makes sense to me. I am not rolling my eyes. Well, I, I was just like, because I see I see so many of these things, right? You know, they vibrate, they do this, they sing, they dance, they do everything but the dishes, <laughs> which I would love for them to do. But this one is, you know, it's heated. So you actually, you crack it in half. It, it's, it's separable. And you put it in the microwave for three minutes. It's got like a nice rubberized texture on the outside. You cook it for three minutes, you put it back together, and it actually heats up a little bit more after you take it out. You know, so it's not like burning your fingers or anything when you touch it. Um, but dear God, it is delicious. It's delightful. You, you, I mean, I foam roll when I have to and it hurts, but I, I do it because it makes things better. But this mm-hmm. thing is, it's so wonderful. Like the heat, <sighs> the heat relaxes your muscles, which everybody knows. I mean, that's what heating pads are all about. That's what yep. hot tubs are all about. Yep. Um, but like you, you know, I, I went to put my, my hamstrings were a little tight, my doctors were tight. And it just like, I felt like I melted onto it instead of that usual, like, ah, you know, that, that usual, uh-huh, I'm very uh-huh. tense. I must relax. It was just, I, I felt like I was just sort of willingly sort of melting onto this foam roller. I actually got up and I hugged it when I was done. You know, my husband's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I just, I hugged it. He's like, I guess you liked it. I'm like, this is a pace line pick, but I, yeah, it's, uh, it's not cheap at 70 bucks, you know, because it is what it is, but it, it has a little like insulated bag and maintains its heat for, I think it said 90 minutes. If I would totally get this as a, as a gift for somebody to, you know, or, you know, or a gift for myself or whatever, but it's, it's very cool. It's a, uh, it's by Moji, uh, gomoji.com is, is the website. You can put a link up, people can read about it, but I, like I said, I, I force myself to roll, but I actually look forward to this. Like, I actually am like, oh, maybe I'll just like stretch out and relax. And it's cool. Wow. Cause it is, it's, it's very pleasant and relaxing. Wow. Okay. Um, hmm. That may have to go on my list. Huh. <laughs> yeah. It's highly, highly recommended. Yeah. Wow. Well, my pick of the week <laughs> after all this talk is sort of unavoidably dirty Kanza itself. Um, and here's why. The, the way the town supports the event, the way people cheer like it's the Tour de France, how nice the fellow riders are. I mean, I didn't encounter anybody who was aggro all day long. Not a single aggro rider. I don't nope. think I've ever had that anywhere under any circumstance. <laughs> uh, uh, I just... You know, and then there's the fact that like, so my friend Andrea, uh, who was there, she was doing the 100 and, you know, they cut off a hundred miles of the course. Right. So she's Mm -hmm. on the second half of her course when suddenly the leaders start passing her. Uh, and she said that, uh, when Pete Stetna, who's based here in Santa Rosa, passed her. He looked down at her bike and did a double take because it was a CSIP frame. Jeremy CSIP also being a Santa Rosa resident. So he picked oh, up nice. on that. He didn't say anything, but he was yeah. like, uh, well, Sarah Max, uh, who ended up third in the women's category. Uh, <laughs> she was awesome. She was like, yeah, girls on bikes. Way to go. And Andrea said that just totally made her day That's so nice. to have That's so nice. to have somebody who's like in contention for the win cheering on somebody who's not in contention for anything amazing. That spirit of camaraderie and just the the overwhelming support that everyone gets out there. It, you know, there's just something really, really special about Dirty Kansas. I don't think I've ever been to a better bike event anywhere. 
And so I'm recommending next year or the year after, go. You don't need to bite off the 200. Do the 50 or the 100 and enjoy the town Mm -hmm. after you're finished. Uh, Watch the leaders of the 200 finish. It's, you know, for that weekend, the, the town is so jazzed to have everybody show up and yes, turn them into some place the way they re- rebranded themselves as gravel city it's it's funny i bumped into ted king he's like i saw your name on the wall of a of a coffee shop and i'd forgotten about this but they've got this big board in gravel city roasters and i'd signed it the when they first started that two years ago oh, nice. and so i went back in and i added the years you know um it just Man, they've done something so special. I got to spend some time talking to Christy Moan, who, you know, is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a- another person who's a just colossal fan of yours. <laughs> that woman. Can we clone her? Because she's the one who got the downtown business owners to agree. OK, yeah, we'll shut downtown and we'll start and finish the, the event I in know. downtown. Huge, huge. Yeah. She it takes, it takes one year for them to see, you know, yeah. like it takes just one year for them to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. 200 women on bikes. That was hers. I know. You know, I know. Well, yeah, because you I've were always, part of that. Yeah. I, part of, I always think that events reflect their promoters or the people who found them. I, I've always kind of thought that. And I really think that about Dirty Kansas. Jim Cummins is a large, large soft-spoken, wonderful, strong, I can't say enough things about him, embracing mm-hmm. human being. He really is. And that event personifies him. Like, it's just, you know, he is really about the people, all of the people. And he's always been about all of the people. He does not pay any attention to the pros more than he pays any attention to anybody else. And it's, you, it just permeates the whole thing. That his ethos and his personality and his, his approach and his philosophy and life and all of it, you, it just, it is why it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to your point, his ability to celebrate others, you know, it's why Christie's involved. It's why Leland Danes, you know, yep. runs the operations, his ability to celebrate others and help them find, you know, their, their own place within the event, their own yep. value. And they're, uh, all, they're, they're all awesome people. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick. Um, and there's even a chance I'm going to go back at some point. I don't know if I'll ever do the 200 again, but I do think I'm going to be in Emporia, Kansas again someday. Maybe a couple more times. Yeah, it, it is. It is special. They have that one that they do at night and that you talking yes. about the night. I, yeah, it, I think I'd want to come out to do that sometime because it sounds amazing. It yeah. Sounds amazing. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some, some way, some shape or form, uh, I'm going to be there some more. Um, cool. just partly because, you know, I, I want to, I want to support something that is just so well done and so celebrates other cyclists, you know, yeah. who doesn't want to be behind that? Yeah. Amen. Oh, right. uh, you publish anything really cool this week that we ought to be taking a look at? Uh, did I publish anything really cool? No, the only thing that I have up this week is uh, my love of the open upper that everyone's been. Uh, I I did. I wrote this. I'm actually really proud of it. The my little ode to the open upper. It, I had voted that one of bicycling and did this preposterous thing, and we know it's preposterous, but like the best bikes ever. You know, like ten, nope. and uh, that was my my vote because I, as I said, like my bike life was always this Venn diagram with an empty bubble in the middle, you know, between sort of road and this gravel stuff. And that, that open just, it's the road bike I've been looking for my whole life. Wow. The best way to put it. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yourself? Yeah. Well, once some some more of my posts about Dirty Cans get up, you know, stop by then, but I've only got one post up so far and it's really yeah, just got a your cute little picture of the chase lounge. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> worth taking a look at. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it, there will be more stuff with time. This is going to be a little bit more like a cubist portrait where it's going to come from different angles uh, yeah. I, it, rather than just writing one post about the whole of the experience. So 
Yeah. Uh, back to your calendar. Are you pinning a number on this weekend? I am. This is the uh, Tulsa weekend. Tulsa. Okay. Tulsa. Yeah. I leave uh, Friday morning and then Saturday and Sunday I'll be, I'll be trying to get Tulsa tough. Well, we know you're tough. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about Tulsa, but you're, you're certainly tough. So there's that. We shall see. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing about it next week. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, hey, everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one on one interviews. Think Terry Gross for Cyclists. This week's show is the show that I didn't get done last week and may not get done this week, given the number of hours I have between now and when I get on another plane. Uh, it's the second half of Paul of my interview with Paul Sadoff of Rock Lobster. I'm really trying to get that thing mixed. It's a it's a bear because there was stuff that happened outside of the actual interview that he okayed me pulling into the interview. It'll get there sometime soon. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.